0: The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. This is News Talk.
1: Good morning and welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan, on the show this morning. As we come into Easter, pastels are more popular than ever and we'll meet one Instagram interior star who'll be helping you to embrace them in your home too. Every building on the planet will have to get to a net zero emission by the middle of the century to meet global climate goals, meaning home retrofits will have to happen. We'll hear about how a Netherlands programme, Energy Sprong, is speeding up the process. Finding the right care options for our loved ones in their later years can be a huge challenge. We'll be learning about The Home Share, a company that enables two people to share a home for mutual benefit and very low cost. And have you got an egg chair and was it worth it? Can you get out of it? Hope the year winner, Jennifer Sheehan, joins us to talk all about that. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at the Home Show at newstalk.com. You'll find me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show and our podcasts on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. Now, morning everyone. Uh, It seems to me this week, even with all of the terrible news surrounding us, that spring has finally sprung. Now, the weather might still be a little bit unseasonable, but with Easter time approaching and all the renewal and promise that it brings, it can be a great time to imagine uh, and reimagine the space around us. Uh, For me, my little seedlings planted around St. Patrick's Day have sprouted and already are needing a new little home in bigger pots just seeing them poke their little green heads above the soil can be very exciting every year and the knowledge that I'll have a steady supply of tomatoes herbs and salad leaves until October maybe November that's incentive enough for me to be a good plant parent now we'll be talking pastels eggs and more throughout the show. But I'd love to hear your favourite thing about Easter and springtime. Is it getting back out into the garden, planning a summer holiday? Maybe it's just having those longer evenings. Well, look, let me know. I'd love to hear some good things today. 53106, email me at at newstalk.com And for the next hour, why not settle back and enjoy all my lovely guests. Now, an easy way to bring tranquility into your home is by incorporating pastels. And Instagram seems to think so, too. There's nearly 23 million pastel posts on that platform Well, my next guest has taken that colour scheme to the next level by transforming her home into a pastel paradise. So joining me now is Stasha Buckle, known as Interior Vampire on Instagram, to tell me more about how she's approached Stacey, you're very welcome along to The Home Show.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Now, what got you interested in all of this colour scheme, these pastel colours?
2: I think I really wanted to create um, a space at home um, that really uplifted my mood um, and kind of reminded me of childhood, really, because a lot of my inspiration comes from childhood movies like Edward Scissorhands or The Wizard of Oz. And I wanted to sort of bring that comfort, you know, back into a space that I was living in and kind of, you know, have the again, it's kind of like childlike sweets and things like that. A lot of the colours that I use are very like, you know, the pastels that you'd find in sweets and candy. Um, And again, you know, obviously anything tasty um, just makes you feel comforted and, um, you know, lifts your mood. So I think that's kind of the colour scheme that I've always gone with has kind of reminded me of anything sort of edible and delicious and, um, you know, (laughs) brings back that comfort of being a child again. And it's kind of surrounding myself with things like that and things that give me a bit of a... I did read a little while ago about um, dopamine dressing um, and apparently you can get a high from wearing colourful colours or clothes that make you feel happy. And it's the same with decor. So I try and you know, bring, bring as much colour as I can into that as well.
1: Now, give us an idea of what colours are involved in this, because it seems to me they're the kind of the lollipop, the sweets colours, as you mentioned in childhood there. Yeah. So, so what colours work best as pastel shades?
2: I think any
1: pastel shades
2: really I go with pink quite a lot because pink is an anti-anxiety apparently it really helps to uplift the mood Um, that you've got some great sort of like there's a really good trend at the moment a Miami trend which is all about the light greens and the aquas pastel yellows are fantastic again they really really help lift the mood Um, and I think it's just experimenting with different um, putting those different pastels together lilac is another one that's really trending at the moment and you know even if you don't feel comfortable you know try maybe a really really bright pastel you could just start with like a door frame or something start from there and then build it up
1: i wonder is it um the emergence of the internet like instagram and pinterest that sparks an interest in these trends every so often because pastels i suppose You'd remember them from, you mentioned their Edward Scissor Hands and a lot of those stylized movies uh, yeah. and films that use that to, to huge effect, actually. How much do you think websites like Instagram or apps allow us to be a tiny bit braver, maybe, with some of that stuff?
2: yeah I mean I think Pinterest and Instagram is amazing you've got so many accounts on there at the moment that you know really specialize in in just completely you know making their home this color palace kind of thing so there's it's so great for people to who might be scared to try using color and um, try decorating for the first time but these accounts you know allow people to be able to see what it might look like in their own homes um, how colors work well together and it's so great for inspiration I mean hence why I call my account interior vampire because I I use that basically because I like to suck the uh, inspiration from other people's (laughs) homes and then breathe new life back into my own house so that's kind of where that came from but it is all about just you know sucking all that inspiration from everybody else around you and we're so lucky we can do that now with all these different Pinterest boards and stuff and then just you know putting it into your own home trickling it in as and where you feel comfortable there's so many different shades of pink it's a mood uplifter um it's a color that reminds me of childhood of ballet and it's kind of yeah, I mean it just it can work in any room in any different lighting. I've got a pink Barbie palace um bathroom that I created in one of an Airbnb that I own and yeah, I mean people just seem to love it. Everybody loves it. I've just had so much good feedback. I think it sort of lifts everybody's moods. Um I was I also like the color pink cuz I feel like it's kind of not taking decor too seriously you know the brighter and bolder you go I like the, I like having fun with it and playing around with different colors and um yeah pink just seems to work really well within any sort of capacity really I think it's great for escapism and you know you want your home to be like a safe space somewhere that you know lifts you out of the everyday you know rat race or whatever um and like I said with you know going back to childhood or you know having a space that kind of is fun that you can have fun in like um I quite like sort of creating spaces where there's a bit of mystery. Um, I've got a hallway at home that was really boring just full of storage cupboards really bland, really beige and what I did was I kind of created this space where you can't see any of the doors so once you're in it you almost don't know where you're going (laughs)
1: Oh gosh, (laughs) that could be dangerous after a night out
2: I know it sounds like the escape rooms or something but um no it's just quite fun because people go in it and they're like yeah there's literally you can't see a door you don't it's a bit like alice in wonderland you know it's bringing mm. you back to that whole trapped in the maze or something like that and it's just a bit of fun um and it kind of yeah again it's just sort of not taking it too seriously i guess and taking you out of that everyday sort of life you know bringing you into something a bit more fun and playful
1: okay well give us some practical tips now for anybody who's going to go out this weekend and look at, through some color cards of pastel paints no. <laughs> where should you use them and where should you avoid them altogether?
2: So if you're new to using pastels and bright colours, I would start small, perhaps. Start with like perhaps a statement wall, um, a corner section of a room, uh, maybe even a door frame. Sometimes door frames are really good because, you know, it's just a small section, but it can really change the room and it can really give that sort of statement bold piece. Um, So yeah, I'd start small and then build up from there and see how you go. Um, I think, yeah, it's important like to to get some samples first and try them in different lights in the in the different rooms because you'd be surprised how different the colors come out mm. you know depending on where the room's facing so i would definitely start off with some samples first or start painting like little small sections of the room and then go from there but yeah i'd also say just go for it just have fun with it you can always paint over it it's never going to be it's you know it's always something that you can mend at the end of the day
1: now any horror story Stasha, that you've had with uh, trying to bring in a color pop into your home oh
2: my god where do i start <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've made so many mistakes along the way. And that's what it's all about as well. It's just, you know, trial and error as you go. Um, But yeah, I've had so many. I did a spare room up and I decided to go wild and picked all these different colours. For some reason, I don't know, um, I must have been hungover at the time or something. But the colours that I um, picked out just were so dark and uh, didn't work well in the light of the room. Um, One of the paints that I used was like a metallic paint. So it just never clung to the wall properly. And it, just, I mean, my boyfriend at the time walked in and was like, oh, my God, just looks awful. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, uh, that was probably the worst, um, the worst thing that I've done so far.
1: Right. Okay. Um. So uh, that's quite comforting, actually. I think <laughs> to know that even experts get it wrong every so often, uh, and and kind of it can can have horror stories. Uh, so, uh, when you're oh. when you're working then with pastels, I'm thinking of somewhere maybe a little bit more edgy, like a kitchen. Uh, do you think that it can work? there, uh, you were talking there earlier about the light and I mean, we know uh, certainly in Ireland, the light can be very, very uh, dark. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do and it can be different in different rooms. If you were going to look at a kitchen, which we ha- I think they've become so homogenous now as neutral spaces, you know yeah. the creams and the and the granites and the walnuts and all that, H- how would you go about incorporating a bright pastel colour like a like a green or a lilac into that?
2: Yeah, so I've noticed like online there's been so many more kitchens that are now going to pastel because you can use really really light colour pastels. You can almost like use um, some that are slightly luminous, so it actually brings more light into the room. Again, if you're you know you don't want to go all out and paint you know every cabinet in pastel or the walls or whatever you could start with just doing a stripe down one cabinet a lot of people just use, like, one stripe of colour um, or even just a little tiny arch around, the, like, the knob of the cabinet is a good way to kind of just bring in that slight bit of pastel without going full out. Um, or you could start with pastel accessories instead. Um, but, yeah, I think kitchens more and more, like, I, I just literally just did up um, a pastel kitchen recently and we use every single shade of pastel pink <laughs> on all the cupboards, so it's like a rainbow <laughs> effect. Okay. And it, it looks really really cool um, and yeah it kind of brings the kitchen alive and it was quite a dark kitchen as well and it's really lifted lifted the room so yeah again just start off small um, there's lots of um, vinyls that you can use now that you can get online um, and again you can get some amazing patterns some amazing pastels um, just using vinyl and again you can take vinyl off so if you don't like it or you've made a mistake you can just get rid of it
1: and actually that's probably a great tip for renters out there who are constrained by what they're allowed to do yeah. and not allowed to do in their home but actually want to punch it up because a lot of rental properties of course are just neutral by effect you know it's just the blandest thing that's going to appeal to a mass market so vinyls can be a fantastic way of kind of mixing that up without getting into trouble with your landlord
2: exactly yeah and you can put a vinyl on the fridge you can put it anywhere really over your coffee tables um, and it really jazzes up the room again without causing any sort of lasting damage
1: do you find that manufacturers now of furniture pieces are I mean this whole kind of nostalgic trends that are coming back like the art deco trend the belly park do you find that the pastel shades are getting better with supplying them or do you have to still search for them on the internet?
2: No, I actually find that yeah, it's, there's a great selection of pastels out there. I often use Valspar paint um, from B and Q, and they have I mean they have thousands and thousands of different shades. Lick is a paint company that I've been working with recently, and they've got so many different pastel shades which all look great. So I do feel like suppliers are you know are really pushing the boundaries and coming up with some great some great colours and some great wallpapers as well. There's lots of great new wallpaper companies out there at the moment that are using pastels pastel patterns. And so, yeah, I definitely think that it's it's definitely accessible and um, more and more people are sort of catching on to this trend, I think.
1: All right. Well, listen, you've given us some fantastic ideas there for anybody who just wants to be a little bit brave. And I think that idea of starting small, take your baby steps and see where that journey takes you. Uh, Stasha Buckle, uh, known as the Interior Vampire on Instagram. If you hop on there onto, onto Insta, you'll find her fantastic ideas. Stasha, thanks a million for joining us on The Home Show today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, still to come on The Home Show, well, with soaring costs of living, many are looking for ways to reduce spending. We'll be talking about one housing option that could actually cost you very little. Now, finding the right care options for our loved ones in their later years can be a huge challenge, whether it's at home care or nursing home care. The lack of availability of staff, of of places and the costs uh, can be too much for some. And many struggle to get the care they need that is affordable. Well, I'm joined now by Lucy Cunningham, founder and CEO of The Homeshare, which is an interesting concept. It's a company that enables two people to share a home for a mutual benefit at very low cost. Lucy, you're very welcome along to the home show. Thank you so much tonight. Now tell us a little bit about Homeshare and how it got started.
3: So Homeshare originally started actually about fifty years ago in America, and at the moment in around the world, there are about twenty countries where um, Homeshare has programs. It's so individual for both people's needs. uh, It can really be adapted to so many different people.
1: So tell me how it works, because in the normal care model, you have carers, say from, you know, Home Instead or Bluebird or those type of companies coming in to care for people at home. Uh, But it is very, very expensive. So what is it that a company like yours offers?
3: So what we offer, well, firstly, we are a not-for-profit organisation and we, my, myself and all our team, we all have experience within uh, the healthcare sector um, and also um, in, in the home care sector. So what we offer is we match, as you mentioned um, at the beginning, we match two people to live together for mutual benefit. So the householder, who is typically um, an older person, uh, although it could be anybody um, who um, is living at home, wants to remain living at home, but might need a bit of company or a bit of support and that really important presence overnight for peace of mind uh, and, God forbid, in case of an emergency, there is somebody there. So the householder offers free accommodation to a vetted sharer. Now, all our sharers are guarded vetted. That's absolutely mandatory. They, Instead of paying the householder rent, the sharer offers 10 hours a week of company, and practical support around the home, and then the overnight present. So, the difference between our sharers and a carer who uh, either be it private or a carer who is paid through the HSE, the big difference is our sharers don't offer any personal care. Now, uh, and, and that's why it works so well as another safety layer, if you like, because the amazing carers who come in, you know, paid by the HSE. Uh, or or private carers, they're there to offer personal care support to the older person or the person with disability, and then our sharers then take over, if you like, in terms of they're there for company, they're there for maybe making dinner and having dinner together with, with, with the householder. And then they're there overnight as, um, as you know, for peace of mind and in case of an emergency.
1: We are told that the hours under the home care package can be very, very short indeed, leaving the carers who come in very tight, maybe 15 minutes or half an hour. But it's not enough time to have a chat, a cup of tea and share a story and go out for a walk and all that kind of thing. So, so it's a companionship model um, without intimate care. Is that it without kind of medical care?
3: Exactly, exactly. I describe it like as if uh, one of the family is living with this person, that a sharer literally becomes part of the family. And that is vitally important uh, because obviously they they have to um, have a good relationship with not only the householder, but with the extended family as well.
1: Indeed. And of course, from the sharer's point of view then, uh, I mean we're in an accommodation crisis there's a housing crisis we know all this so so there's a mutual benefit there because they're getting what b and mean, I mean they're, they're getting their uh, a room in somebody's house and without the exorbitant rent that they would have to pay otherwise.
3: Exactly and it's amazing to see the different types of sharers we have applying we would have about 300 people every month applying to us through our database looking for accommodation and they could be anyone from students, although the average age of our sharers is actually about 39. The majority would be professionals or maybe semi-retired, or they might be uh, mature students working part-time, starting part-time. But most of our sharers They're looking for affordable accommodation so that they can actually begin to start saving money for their own deposits so they can eventually buy their own home.
1: Now, tell me a little bit about the costs that are involved, Uh, because in a normal course of events, of course, having somebody to live with you full time as a carer is very expensive. So the the cost, the ongoing cost is
3: €195 per month. So there is a once-off placement fee once a sharer has been found and once a householder has found a sharer and and the sharer has found a home, um, there is a once-off placement fee of €350. That's only paid once regardless of how many years or how many different homes or sharers somebody might have. And then after the trial period, there is an ongoing monthly support fee of €195 per month and that pays for our ongoing support and monitoring. So we visit every house um, each month and we're available 24-7 as well. So the only other cost to the sharer would be a contribution towards the utility bill.
1: So that's the equivalent of 50 quid a week. And um, they get their bed and board and the uh, older person or disabled person gets somebody for that, which is obviously a lot less than they'd be, they'd be paying somebody uh, else for it. Now, in terms of the matching, it strikes me you're a little bit, do you know, it's not unlike kind of maybe Tinder for, yeah. for care recipients. How do you go about making sure they have to get on and and maybe they've never met each other before. You have to make sure they have shared interests. How does that work?
3: So, uh, very carefully. Um, somebody a few years ago, actually, um, he likened home share with um, uh, a cross between Airbnb and Match.com. So you're not far off the mark, Sinead. <laughs> But we match extremely carefully. Now, um, from the get-go, obviously, safeguarding is the most important aspect uh, of of home sharing for us. And uh, obviously, all our sharers are guard-vetted. We we check a minimum of three references um, to get to know the sharer. So we get to know them. What are they like? You know, have they empathy? Uh, And do they actually like older people? I mean, I know it it sounds obvious, but you know they they obviously have to enjoy uh, the company of an older person or you might you even know, somebody with a disability. Um, we also then look into the um, you know common interests that they might have. So we start the process always by meeting the householder and a family member or an advocate, and that is for us to find out about the person's personality, their interests, and very importantly any preferences that they may have on, on who they might like to share their home with. And then we also okay. find out what support they have at the moment and then where the gaps are and see how can a sharer fill those gaps. You know, we, we, we go to the other side of the coin then and we start looking at our sharers. Uh, and then we have a chat to different sharers that we think might be a good fit. And then we go back to the families with a list of, of bios of people. Um, and then we shortlist it further then. And then we, if we, we physically then introduce the sharer. To the householder and the family members, and we go through very intense home share agreement, and that goes through all the, the the rules and the boundaries around home sharing, and what's expected of both parties. Assuming both parties are happy to go ahead, then the sharer moves in for a trial period. And um, myself and my colleagues, one of us is always there when the sharer moves in. And we are on the phone every few days during the trial period, checking in to make sure everyone's happy. And we're also available 24-7 on the phone as well. And we continue to check in every month. And um, it, it just works beautifully
1: well it just sounds like a very very interesting solution to problems on both sides actually people finding accommodation and also people needing that companionship lucy cunningham founder and ceo of the home share thank you very much for joining us on the home show this morning
3: thank you so much in
1: Every building on the planet will have to get to net zero emissions by the middle of the century to meet global climate goals. Now that means a massive number of home retrofits will have to happen to shrink energy use and replace old equipment like gas furnaces. So, a huge job with lots of considerations and a lot of government money behind it. Fergus Merriman, Chartered Building Surveyor, joins me now to chat about a Dutch programme called Energy Sprong that is demonstrating how the process could be sped up. Welcome along to the Home Show this morning. Good morning. Now, what are the normal costs of a complete home retrofit? Uh,
4: realistically, a budget between 50 and 100,000. It would would be appropriate to that. And that would be in order to avoid any unexpected consequences of those upgrades. Because as you upgrade various elements of the building, you're going to stress other areas. So it's having a comprehensive understanding about what's going to happen.
1: Ouch. So that is a huge amount of money and I know there's probably a lot of householders thinking well I can't possibly afford to do that and maybe they can They can only afford to do a bit of it. So talk to me about this concept, this energy sprung wh- where it comes in and what it is all about.
4: Well the Dutch realised that they had vast numbers of standardised constructions built really after the war and they were in very poor condition um, very energy leaky and they realised that if they had a, a comprehensive idea about how they could approach this, then uh, rather than looking at individual piecemeal items, they could they could bring together several aspects of this. And and the first aspect would be to examine the buildings in detail, create a computer model of the building, and then apply something externally to that building like an overcoat around it and that could be made in a factory very efficiently delivered to site with the minimum interventions to the occupants Um, and then the second strand of that would be how do you finance that and the way they looked at it with financing it was through the energy savings that the occupant would make and then capitalizing that over a period of time
1: well, that's OK. So uh, what you're describing there in that very vivid word picture is a bit what we do with our water tanks. It's like putting a lagging jacket around it. So exactly. are, are these these are prefabricated and then fitted onto existing walls. There's no need to take anything down. There's no need to pump anything in through the, the wall cavities. Am I right? Uh,
4: exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're not inter- interacting with the internal finishes of the occupant's, um design or anything like that. They're doing this externally. Windows would arrive in a wall panel, which would be uh, lifted by a crane, dropped onto the outside of the building, fixed to the existing building there. And then after that's been completed, they can come along and take out the old, useless windows from the inside with a minimum intervention to, to the occupant.
1: And does it affect the maybe the exterior, the plaster render, the brickwork when it's being yes, done? Yes, well, that's
4: that's one of the elements that uh, restricts really us doing it here in Ireland at the moment is that there would be a planning, uh, need to be changes to the planning legislation to enable us to, to do that and also to the building regulations. And I suppose the other restriction here is that we don't have those vast numbers of similar similar houses some of the units and, you know, some of the old corporation houses around Finglas and Crumlin and so on, they, they would be suitable. Um, but it would mean that you would have to get all the occupants to agree to a terrace to be done all at once. And that would make it really efficient.
1: Indeed, indeed. So do you think, is the Irish government looking at doing this? The Department of Housing, have they explored it uh, as far as you know, um, in, in terms of looking at this for Ireland for our own retrofit project?
4: I, I don't believe at the moment that it has entered into that because, as I say, we don't have those vast numbers of similar houses that they have on the continent.
1: What are the savings of doing it this way versus an individual house-by-house retrofit?
4: I would estimate probably 50% because when you're manufacturing something in a facility, you've, you're in control of your supply chain. You can, you can negotiate with your suppliers to get best cost and then you have volume as well. So all of those efficiencies and economies come in to make it very efficient. And then the time on site, which is one of the critical elements there, you know, obviously you can do this on a dry day, erect all these panels within one or two days, and then you, you're completely finished and you've interacted on site to the minimum amount. And that makes it very efficient.
1: Right. I did read somewhere during the week that 70% of the buildings that exist today will still exist in 2050. So this and if we're supposed to hit net zero by then so like the retrofit project that has been announced that that even sounds ambitious as it is so is there anywhere that you can see that this energy sprung idea which is obviously successful elsewhere might work
4: uh, I, I think that the uh the government's aspirations are somewhat naive in terms of the reality of doing this the labor force that we 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 had previously during the noughties that's pretty much disappeared. And we don't get young people coming into the construction sector at all. Mm.
1: What do you think the government should be doing, you know, trying to get people back into the building trade? They're actually offering training for free at the moment for anyone who wants to uh, engage in retrofit training. Do you think we should be doing more, Fergus?
4: Absolutely. I I mean, um, encouraging young people to come into the construction sector is absolutely necessary. Um, But they're too busy going off and getting degrees rather than, than working on a cold, wet building site. Uh, We also need to look at the the way in which we are looking at uh, at construction. We're based on old traditional values and old traditional ideals, part of which is driven by the the, the mortgage industry and also by perceptions about bricks and mortar. Those values really uh, should be starting to wither away now. As we look at modern materials and modern methods of constructing things, we're not really addressing that. We're still saying you need to dig foundations, you need to pour lots of concrete. And a lot of these methods are not sustainable in terms of the the quantity of materials, the impact on the carbon impacts from those materials, and the way in which they perform in terms of energy saving aren't really appropriate to what we're trying to achieve in NZEB.
1: Right. So lots more to be done. Uh, And as you say, you believe it's a little bit naive the way the government is going about it. Fergus Merriman, um, I think we'll have to have it back in the show in the future just to talk a little bit about how that is being rolled out in reality and how it goes on. Uh, And that energy sprung idea certainly sounds like a very interesting concept just to add to the sum of the parts in terms of that national retrofit project. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us on the home show today.
4: Thanks very much. And my
3: heart beat fast as I came through the door.
1: And of course, listeners of A Certain Vintage, myself included will remember that as Easter Parade with the fantastic Judy Garland. You're very welcome back to the Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan uh, and I will be with you until 9 o'clock and you are very welcome back. Now at the top of the show I interviewed Stasha Buckle, the uh, interiors vampire who's talking to us all about pastels and we are continuing the Easter theme uh, throughout the show today as I welcome back to the studio Jennifer Sheehan, Home of the year winner, how are you, Jennifer? I'm well, I'm not the reigning home of the year winner no, anymore. Exactly, <laughs> were you glued to the final?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. Now, the crucial question is do you think the judges made the right choice? I mean the, the judges are the judges they know
0: what's going on I think it was a very very strong lineup this year Yeah Um. I, I thought the winning house was gorgeous I can see what they mean when they say they walked in and it felt like home It was a
1: farmhouse in Wicklow that farmhouse had been passed down through generations I mean I, I don't know for my part I I. Didn't think it was the most innovative of all the finalists, but it was certainly one of the coziest. It was very cosy. What was your favourite? My favourite was the Cork
0: house. There was a really small little house in Cork Ah. and... She, We went for the same tiles in our kitchen, so I have to say I appreciate yeah. her, her taste.
1: And it's much harder, I think, to do something with a really small space like that than it is to kind of have a big field and a big budget and then throw in whatever you want. I you know? flip-flop
0: on this, right, because I don't know how I'd fare with a big field and a big budget and and the chance to do anything you want. I actually think, there, yes, it's hard to fit certain things into a small space. But constraints in design can really breed some some genius ideas Mm. just out of necessity.
1: That is true indeed. Well, anyway, look. uh, Congratulations to the winners of Home of the Year this year, and uh, certainly a worthy winners all. Now it is Easter soon, and we thought we would talk about all things eggs. Now I'm I'm devastated. You brought no chocolate. I cracked into into my first Easter (laughs) egg last (laughs) um, (laughs) night. I did. did okay. Well, I did. We, I
0: sat down and I thought, I'm going to make myself a spaghetti bolognese and then I thought, no, I'm going to have an
1: Easter egg. Oh, no, last for night. dinner. The weather, you know. <laughs> I know, you have to. So we are talking all things eggs, but of course it is the home show, so instead of eating them, we are going to talk about egg chairs. Yes, sit in them. Now, I have, I'm in two minds about the egg chairs, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's those big kind of bulbous chairs that hang from the ceiling or hang freestanding thing. I... I love the look of them and I love the notion of them. Getting in and out of them practically <laughs> is not something that excites me. I'm always worried if I get in, I won't get out. And if I get out, I can't get back in again. Do you like them? I love them.
0: I love them. I think I they're you might.
1: They're a very specific
0: style. I, I just, I really, really like them. I What I love about them, if they're hanging from the ceiling... Visually, they take up very, very little space. Mm. Now, in practical terms, they take up probably more space than your regular armchair because there has to be room to swing back and forth and and get, you know, ungainfully get yourself in and out of the chair, which, you know, frankly, you probably wouldn't want to do on camera. You know, there is a bit of a climb. So they do take up a bit more space. You need to leave more space. But visually you know, they're not on the floor if they're if they're hanging from the ceiling yeah. and usually they're made from, from a rattan or a bamboo or something like that so light passes through that material and visually they take up no space at all so they can so, look amazing. Yeah,
1: so it can make your space if it's a corner space say look a lot bigger yes. because you can see underneath it and through it. Exactly. Uh, but actually you do need a whack of space. You do. Swing around in it. You okay.
0: do. not want to knock something over. You don't want a little coffee table nearby. No. Dare I say a toddler or a
1: pet or something like that. <laughs> I know. Well but of course you, you get into the chair to get away from all that. (laughs) Now, where did they come from? And tell us a little bit about the design out there.
0: 1959. Nana and Jürgen. This is the O with the line through it. Maybe somebody out there has a better pronunciation. I'm going to say Jürgen. Ditzel in Denmark. So they designed the very first one. And actually that design is still available from Sika Design. Okay. Um, online, so I'll go into a bit of that later. So that's where it first came from, and then it evolved a little bit in the in the sixties. So, nineteen sixty eight, Eero <laughs> Arnio in Finland made a fully see through one. So he envisioned a full bubble, and he made this beautiful acrylic see through one with with a a brushed steel frame in it, and you can put different kind of coloured cushions in there, and that. I love the look of this one.
1: There Does is something not about that comfortable. No, but there's something a bit 60s beatnik about oh, the really? whole <laughs> idea of it. And you can imagine a designer with a pen and paper sitting down to design a new type of chair. Something that's been around for, mm. you know, thousands of years. And you're like, how did he get from that <laughs> to to an egg chair? You know? Yeah.
0: Well, he, he apparently looked at greenhouses and saw the little dome-shaped things on greenhouses and said, can that be made into, can that be, be a bigger bubble, the size mm. of a chair, and the manufacturer said yes. And away he went. He also designed, if anyone remembers, Men in Black, and I remember Will Smith was sitting in one of those egg chairs. It was a white shaped egg chair, very seventies and retro. But also kind of futuristic,
1: retro-futuristic. Well, maybe if he'd stayed there and and kept his hands to himself, he'd have been better (laughs) off, right? Okay, so uh, some other ideas then of... Now, there's some kind of mad high-end ones of this as well, because like everything else, you know... You can get the bargain basement stuff and you can get the off the wall stuff.
0: Yeah. You can, okay, so off the wall, totally. Louis Vuitton made one. Well, of course. It's called the Cocoon Chair. It's made from a beautiful fiberglass in a nice kind of organic shape that looks like coral. This and looks only
1: beautiful, absolutely. A it, bargain.
0: Go on. 111 grand.
1: <coughs> right. Okay. So that's one option. Right. <laughs> right. It Park is it. one option <laughs> for one person. Okay. It does look gorgeous. Though. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's like really it's like um nice the form. petals of a cheese plant coming. That's not what Louis Vuitton would want me to say, <laughs> but it's like the petals of a cheese plant coming round and cocoon you. Cocooning into the you. All right, and okay. that's
0: the whole purpose of these. Even acoustically, they're supposed yeah. to cocoon you and okay. really block out the outside world. So, right. hundred, so
1: if you don't have a handy one hundred and eleven thousand. <laughs> Do you know? No, unfortunately. If anyone does, uh, I'll give out my phone number at the <laughs> end of this. <laughs> okay, a little bit more now. Normal okay. people. So as I said, the original
0: design still available through seeker Design. Now it's not cheap. It's two thousand six hundred and seventy-five is what I saw starting out. Okay. And that's free. That's hanging from the ceiling with the chains. You know, if you want the the freestanding one that comes with a frame, a little bit extra. Is there any but sense of which
1: is better? To have it hanging from the ceiling or to have a, a freestanding or does it matter?
0: It's about, Well, I suppose it depends on where you want to put it. I definitely think hanging from a ceiling looks so, so beautiful. But you have to be hanging it from a joist. Yeah, so it needs course. to be hanging from the
1: centre of a joist because you don't want to crumble a whole yeah. And then you have it forever, board. you see, because you have to redo, Where's whereas the, yeah. the one that's freestanding, you can move it about. You, you can move, move it
0: inside, outside, potentially? Inside,
1: outside, if you have the right uh, materials for it. Okay. Yep. Uh, all right. The one in the middle, if you don't like rattan, because we're
0: talking a lot about rattan here and, and a lot of them are made from that material
3: yeah.
0: or some type of it, maybe a bamboo kind of lookalike or, or false rattan. And if you don't like that, there's also
1: beautiful macrame ones out there. It's a bit <gasps> of a hippie, Boho, oh, now kind of here, aesthetic. I mean, whatever chance I have of <laughs> solidly getting myself in and out of something made of bamboo. <laughs> The macrame, I'm, sure. I'm not sure about that, but I can imagine once you're in it, it's a bit like a hammock,
0: exactly like a hammock, or even like a kind of a swing chair or something. And there's a yeah. the nice tassels hanging off them, and you could put a fluffy pillow on it. It's it's a look, but it's it's a different look if yeah. you're into that. There's loads of these on Etsy. Folds up small. Oh yeah, folds into nothing. So Very where portable. would you get one of those now? So loads of these on Etsy. People are big into homemade. Mm. Did you say macrame? Did I macrame? Macrame. Macrame. Yeah.
1: Merc- I have no oh idea. Well.
0: One of those two. Loads of people are into making that. So. I I've seen them from forty all the way up to two hundred. Now I'd hmm. say save money at your own risk. Maybe sturdiness could be a factor. Definitely look at what the frame is made from. Um But a different look and looks really good and you know much better price point. Okay. Then there's the very famous Aldi one. So Aldi have a garden line hanging egg chair. It comes in once. Well, a year they and had it goes one. Like it was gone that. like the clappers.
1: Gone. One hundred ninety nine quid. One hundred ninety nine. It flew out you And can that's see freestanding it and, yeah. So it comes
0: with the frame Or you could hang it If you wanted And that's that's in a faux raton So it can go outside As well in your garden Good They also it, have right. Go on You're going to kill me for this They're going to have Little mini hanging egg chairs For your pets Ah <laughs> Come on I mean come on Are now you Like you kidding me I can't promise I'm not getting one
1: <laughs> For your little doggy. Yeah Oh Janie Swinging Mouac. away With a little egg chair I've heard it all. Oh, cute. <laughs> right, folks, come to the home show. I've and seen get loads your daft, I will I say I actually, guess. I've
0: seen loads of them available on adverts.ie or donedeal.ie. Now I don't know what that says about egg chairs. Do people have regrets? I think that's exactly what it says. Or what? They bought the
1: thing and then they've nowhere to put it. They can't get in or out of it and they say, like, Oh here, some <laughs> other mogul take this off my hands. Actually, maybe that's the place to start. Get that it could there. Be where to start. Give it a go. If it works in your space and it works for you, then you can invest in it better. Exactly. Piece, maybe. That's all a great right. idea. Okay, yeah, go All right. Well, Jennifer, (laughs) Jennifer Sheehan, uh, former Home of the Year winner, uh, thank you for bringing us all things egg based. And of course, that is the perfect place to curl up and eat your chocolate eggs, which is, Mm. of course, what Easter is all about. Now, Easter is also kind of a traditionally a good time for home projects mentioned at the top of the show. We were talking to Stasha Buckle, the interiors vampire, about pastels and incorporating all those gorgeous pale Easter colours into it. It is so difficult, if not impossible, now to find tradespeople, builder, yeah. decorators, all that kind of thing. So we are on the lookout uh, for kind of handy DIY projects you can do yourself without having to resort to the professionals. And mm. um, but you're kind of semi-professional, so we can <laughs> do. I that. own a drill, so yes, so I would consider myself we, semi-professional. <laughs> we are going to talk all things tiles. Yeah. actually, because I have tiles on my my brain because I changed the tiles on one of my floors and I'm delighted with them and uh, not something I would do myself but it is something that you have done yourself mm. so talk to me a little bit about uh, things we can do to change up boring tiles
0: yeah so can you get a tiler these days no you cannot they are they've disappeared they're completely booked up so this came up recently because one of my best friends Elaine uh, shout out if you're listening uh, moved into her beautiful new house and hates her kitchen tiles but there, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just not the right colour. She resprayed her kitchen and they're not the right colour. So we were looking into ways that we could redo them, you know, without getting in a tiler, which we just couldn't find. And actually, my aunt Mary completely redid her own kitchen and painted her own tiles. And they look amazing. So I've seen the transformation firsthand.
1: Now, the painting the tiles. So my concern is that it looks painted. Yeah. Like a child's project. So if
0: you don't do it right, you need to be careful because tiles are a much shinier surface, let's say, indeed. than plaster or whatever else you're normally painting. So when you're brushing, the brush strokes can really, you know, look obvious and they can stand out. So what I would say is, here's how to do it, step by step, right? First of all, you need to clean everything because paint will trap dirt like nothing else and I swear to god that one little speck of dust that you didn't clean will stand out underneath it so you really really need to just you know completely give it a a going over sugar soap is the best thing for this so sponge bucket sugar soap then you need to spray it with some kind of a fungicide this is if you're in a kitchen or a bathroom or somewhere where it might get a bit wet then I would say sand them down a bit. Mm. So get some sandpaper, you know, just very light stuff, especially if they're high gloss tiles. Yeah, because the paint will stick it to the surface stick. better if you have them kind of matted, dulled yeah. down. Yeah, and you want something for that paint to okay. grab onto. Yeah. yeah. So then you prime them and I would recommend priming them in this mm. case because again, you'll get that flatter surface and, and it's something to stick to. And then you go over it and what I'd say is two thin coats rather than the thicker coat because again you've a better chance of that you know smoothing into an even layer rather than one thick coat and you see the brush strokes and you don't do that uh, and then you leave it to dry and then off you go Now are there specialist tile paints? There are so when you're looking for paint anywhere will have them you know Dulux, Colour Trend all that they'll have a version of, of tile paint so when you're going in doing your shopping just say it's for tiles um and you know the usual range of colors should be available and and off you go and but it looks really 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 effective you'd be surprised mm. they you know old tired tiles with weird patterns or marigold color or whatever they might be you can paint right over them and you have a brand new set of tiles and even you can go a step further with stencils so there's fabulous pattern tiles out there and if you want that effect but you just as i said before i can't get a tiler or just don't have the energy to be ripping them out and putting them back in and all that stenciling over them and getting that lovely passion effect yeah, if you yeah. if you and
1: preparing. you can use the spray and the little cut out exactly. and all that kind of thing all right yeah. um so uh, the last one then you want to give me and i know why you left it to last because you didn't think <laughs> i'd have time to cover it gold leaf <laughs> And we have
0: plenty of time. This is my absolute favorite, my number one option. I think this is so effective and actually incredibly. I would say of all the things we've spoken about, this is probably the simplest yeah. and really effective. Gold leaf you can buy in lots of different art and art and hobby supply shops. Whatever you can get them for a fiver for a hundred on Amazon. So if you you know kitchen backsplash or something like that. Okay. gold leaf you can get silver leaf uh, you can get copper nice, leaf
1: and you brush it you have to brush you it on, brush very it carefully. on okay. and then
0: you get a resin an adhesive resin
1: and you just paint that over it and away you go and it looks wonderful alright don't come back to us if it doesn't work out folks Right, <laughs> Jennifer Sheehan home of the year winner thank you so much for doing all that research on uh, tiles and all of that today uh, and thanks a million and lovely to see you again thanks for having me and that is all we have time for today folks if you'd like to get involved in the show if you have a question for us or something you'd like to ask Jennifer uh, please get in touch with us 53106 by text uh, or you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com Jennifer is on Instagram at Workers Cottage and I'm there Sinead Ryan 100 Uh, and don't forget to check out the Home Show podcast which is up on the Newstalk website thank you to Maurice O'Sullivan who was producing with Stephen McLoon on sound we're here every Saturday at 8 and we'll see you for Easter